and welcome to the latest edition of the Empowered Leaders Membership Group. Welcome. All right, so today we're talking about three more of these uh, indispensable qualities of a leader. We're talking about problem solving, relationships, and responsibility. So again, this is a buffet. Uh, take it, leave it, totally up to you. Uh, you do have three homework reflection activity sheets uh, in this section, as well as uh, all of the memes. So I think there's four or five memes uh, for each one of these three. You can use them for whatever you would like. Um, so you can go for each one of these and uh, the three of them and ask, you know, how am I doing on a, on a scale of one to ten? Uh, that's just good, a good kind of self-assessment rating, uh, but whatever works for you. Uh, I will say, though, that these three qualities uh, are probably three of some of the biggest ones whenever I'm asked to do leadership training, whether it be one-to-one -one coaching or a, a group experience. Uh, these three are usually some of the biggies. In particular, I love how these three kind of dance and play around with each other, okay? There's a dynamic flow between these three, solving problems, relationship building, and responsibility. So as I'm going through and sharing some things with you about these, I really want you to think about not only how well am I doing, but how well am I doing kind of uh, letting these uh, dynamically dance and flow with each other, okay? So the first one is problem solving. Uh, you can't let your problems be a problem. Okay. So John Maxwell says that you can measure a leader by the problems he tackles. He always looks for ones his own size. I love that. Okay. Took me a while to really understand what that means, but the people who, um, love problems, uh, and love to solve problems, are people that have a certain energy about them. And then there are people who like to avoid problems, right? So consider, are you an avoider of problems or a solver of problems? And even with those people who solve problems, uh, they look at, uh, you know, the problem in front of them. And it's like, if the problem was a person, it would be the same size as that person. So what I mean by, um, you can look at someone and say, okay, what are they dealing with right now? And what are they solving and, and uh, becoming better by? How big is that problem? And you can have a good measure of the person. Okay. So for example, um, the, the person in front of me, and I see this all the time, you know, potential clients coming and, uh, you know, they're talking about things and you realize the things that they're talking about while it's big for them it's really not big. Uh, it's just, they haven't approached a problem of that size yet. And so they need to figure that problem out first before they can go on to bigger problems. Okay. But I've also met people who are doing amazing, wonderful things in life. And you look at them and you're wondering, how are you even alive, let alone continuing to do the work that you do in the way that you do them? And so a good measure of a person's character and quality and who they are is the problems that they uh, choose to tackle or not tackle. Okay. So consider that for yourself. And then John Foster Dulles um, was a, a secretary of state uh, in the United States. And he said, the measure of success is not whether you have a tough problem to deal with, 
but whether it's the same problem you had last year. Ah, that is so good, right? Think about that. Are you dealing with the same problems over and over and over again? Or are you coming up with new problems? Right? Kind of like, uh, you know, I, I love how John talks about failing forward. And he says, listen, I have no problem with failing and failing forward. Not at all. I just want to make sure that when we are failing, we're, we're failing in new ways. So we're not having the same failure over and over. So think about the current problems that you have in your life right now. And think about where you were last year at this time. Are they the same problems? All right. So there are five qualities or characteristics of great problem solvers. So the first one is that they anticipate. Okay. So expecting that there's going to be a problem. This is not a fatalistic worst case scenario kind of thing, but it's a planning ahead, right? First of all, um, anticipating what potential problems you might have and solve them before they become a problem. Right. So this is what a lot of people call logistics. So you're putting on a staff meeting or an event of some sort. Right. And you think through. I do this all the time with trainings. Uh, I used to do it like intently. Uh, I probably do eight hours of prep for every one hour of training many years ago because I wanted to be very, very intentional. Now I can kind of go on the fly because I've got all of that stored within me. But planning ahead and saying, okay, I'm going to have a transition from here to here. How do I make sure that that transition goes well? You don't wait till the moment to figure that out. You figure that out beforehand, right? Um, also, you, you're anticipating that there's probably going to be problems. So we're going to launch this new pro program, this new product. We're doing this new thing. Um, you know, as we go through, there's probably going to be some hiccups and some hurdles, Okay, how are we going to bob and weave, right? And you train your people to do the same. So you train them to understand that problems are here every single day. And, and there's really no problem. It's just an opportunity. And you train them how to solve a problem. So when they come to you and they're like, I have a problem, walk them through it. Coach them through it. Don't solve their problem for them. All that does is it creates a dependent person that's going to continue to come to you so that you can solve their problems. That's not good leadership. Okay. That's, that's a, a, an insecure leader who says, oh, I can just do it myself. A mature leader says, my job is to teach them how to solve these problems, which are probably for you very small problems, but for them are pretty big. Kind of like with kids, right? When when a child is having a, a hard time putting their their um, coat on and you're like, this is not a big deal, right? But for them it is. We want to train them to solve their own problems. Um, another thing that a problem solver does great quality is that they accept quickly. So when you are um, experiencing a problem that's on your doorstep, the longer you resist, the longer your problem persists and probably gets worse. Uh, that is called arguing with reality. That's insanity. So we want to get to the point where we are not refusing the problem. We're accepting, hey, you know what? I don't want this to be an issue, but apparently it's an issue. So let's deal with this. Okay. Um, so you can uh, refuse it. You can accept and kind of put up with what's happening right now. 
Like you can say, fine, I'll go do this and have a bad attitude about it. Or you can choose to accept and uh, turn things out for, for good for you, right? So I, I had a great uh, opportunity over and over and over again uh, to do this when I was going through writing my dissertation. Uh, you know, it got to the point where you would go and you do all the work, make the suggestions, send it in. Uh, they would come back, more suggestions, send it in. And it just literally got to the point where, you know, when they, I got to the end and they said, uh, you're done. I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, what do you mean done? Done with this draft? Because there were so many, right? And it was a lot of problems that I had to solve. And I realized things went better, not only when I, you know, refused and tried to argue with them, uh, not only when I said, fine, I'll fix it, but had a bad attitude. But when I got into that acceptance phase and just said, this is what we're doing, let's go, then things started to turn around for me. Okay. Third quality of a great problem solver is that you're, you're able to see the big picture. Okay. Realizing that whatever this problem of the day is, that's all it is. It's just a blip on the radar. It, it is not affecting the whole of your life, the whole of the program or whatever you're running. Uh, you may have emotions about what's happening, right? And that is healthy. So I'm not saying that you, you should not have emotions, okay? Uh, let's say you have anger about what's happening, right? Or you're overwhelmed or you're frustrated or stressed, right? So we want to make sure that we're identifying those emotions, but we're also not letting that get us bogged down, okay? We're, we're not getting bogged down in the details of whatever is here. We're saying, okay, how can we move on, okay? In, in whatever quicker way we can. That's another thing about people who are learning how to solve problems. Um, when they have small problems, they usually have large emotions to go with them. They don't know how to solve their problem. Their emotions are getting them all caught up and so when you're working with them, trying to teach them, you need to understand it's not about the problem. It's about helping them understand how to handle their emotions first and see beyond that to have some movement. Now, as you get used to this problem solving and, and the problems are becoming bigger and bigger, you tend to have less emotions with solving the problem. Not because you're numb or you're avoiding, but because you've figured out how to process the emotions as you're dealing with the problem. The fourth thing is that, that you do one thing at a time. You realize, especially um, the bigger and more emergent and um, potentially damaging the problem is you realize we have to prioritize. It's kind of like when our body is in a, a traumatic moment, it will um, shut down several systems, like your digestion system, your, your immune system. When you are in a high stress, like if you're going to be running from a bear in the woods, okay, your, your body says, we're in uh, stay alive mode. We don't need to digest our food and we don't need to fight off germs. We need to get out of here. Uh, so there are some problems where we are dealing with that, that uh, our body interprets it as that. And we need to prioritize. So like when you're running from the bear, your uh, vision, you know, people will say, I got tunnel vision. Yep. Cause you only had, you only saw what you had to see, right? That's us prioritizing in a moment. Yes, you may have to set aside some things that are important, but not important to keeping us on the road right now. A lot of people experience that during COVID times. Uh, this is why I love the Eisenhower matrix to make those decisions for you. 
especially if you feel like you're in that stressful moment over and over and over again. You need the Eisenhower matrix, help it. Um, you can look it up, you can Google it. There's all kinds of different ways, but we also have some lessons so you can use our search engine and look that up and, and it will, um, you know, show it to you. So if you're in that stressful situation all the time, everything feels like an emergency. Use the matrix to bring you and your people into more of a, a peaceful situation so that later you know what's really an emergency and what's not. Okay, last characteristic of a great problem solver is ne they never give up. Now, they understand that there are times to rest, right? Uh, you need to regulate, <laughs> you need to relate, and you need to reason. Sometimes you need to pause. Pausing allows growth to catch up to you, okay? But if you, if you think about two mountains, right, two mountains next to each other, and there's a high, you know, top on, on each one, a, a, an apex, if you will. A leader knows that you make your major decisions on your high, never your low. Your low is for resting and recuperating, uh, recovering, but you make your decisions on your highs. Okay. So you never give up. You definitely rest, but you don't quit. Okay. All right. So that's about problem solving. So how does that relate to relationships? So relationships, um, obviously, you know, if you get along, you'll go along. Uh, the person who is good with people uh, tends to have a better leadership influence than the one who isn't. Uh, doesn't mean you can't be a good leader. Uh, doesn't mean you can't learn some of those things. Uh, but if it comes more naturally to you, then, you know, be grateful for that. So Teddy Roosevelt once said, the most important single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. I think Dale Carnegie, you know, he, he's written several books to that effect. And John always says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Okay. So building relationships doesn't mean that you're going to be somebody's best friend. Okay. Actually, we want to discourage that from uh, being in a leadership position, but it does mean several things. So number one, that you try to understand people. So when we talk about relationship building in empowered leaders, we're talking about level two leadership. Uh, and if that's, you know, where you are right now and you haven't explored, or it's been a while since you explored some of those relationship building lessons, go back. Okay. So you need to have a basic understanding of things like disc personalities, awareness levels, uh, stick chick, especially the, that four minds video. Okay. Those are basic understandings of people in general, you, someone else and your interaction. Okay. So all four of those are really needed to, to understand and be good at relationships. You can know yourself and not someone else. You're not going to have a good relationship. Okay. Um, another thing to think about in relationships is we're trying to love and help them. Okay. So loving someone else, uh, I just want to clarify, kind of make this a general thing. This is one of those common sense doesn't grow in everyone's garden kind of thing. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. So there's the golden rule, which says, do unto others as you would like done to you. 
That's great. That's a great place to start. And once you know someone, again, this goes back to what we just said, you know, what's their dispersonality, their awareness level, what are some of their triggers, right? Once you know that other person, the platinum rule says, do unto others as they would like done unto them. So you can start with, hey, it's a good thing to be kind, right? Once you get to know the other person, now it becomes, hmm, how does this person view kindness? Okay. So really you're getting at what is their definition of help, right? So sometimes somebody needs, uh, you know, a listening ear. Great. Uh, sometimes somebody needs help solving their problem or working through their emotions. Sometimes you will have somebody who you'd love to help work through their problem, but for whatever reason right now, it's not happening. Like they are just unable. They are too dysregulated. Sometimes they need you to step in and solve the problem. Okay. I usually will ask in a coaching and mentoring situation, um, you know, would you like a suggestion? And if somebody says yes, I give it. If they say no, I don't. Doesn't matter to me. That's their definition of help. We also want to make sure that as we're, we're working with them in this professional way, uh, that we're focusing on what their goals are. So let's say you have a new hire and they've come on in a, you know, a, a, a teacher role, right? And you know that they're going to be doing that teacher role, but what are their goals? What do they want to get good at? What do they want to um, uh, learn or experiment with? Where are they going? Where do they want to be in five years, right? All of those things are really good for you to know so that when opportunities come up for them to learn something new, maybe go to a conference, maybe you just read a book and you're like, oh, so-and-so would love this, right? So what are their goals? And one of the things that I often think, um, especially as, uh, you know, my background in early childhood, I, I say this statement a lot, until we want the same for all children as we want for our own, we'll never have freedom. The same is true in a leadership position. Think about the things that you like, enjoy, appreciate, like respect, right? Having some responsibility, having some freedom of choice, right? And are you allowing your people to experience all of those things? Until we want the same for our people as we want for ourselves, we'll never have true freedom. And asking yourself all the time, you know, as you're building this relationship, what can you put into them, not get from them? So as a leader, it's your job to, to look for those opportunities that you can resource them, empower them, help them along in their journey, not just as an employee, but as a person, right? And, and that road goes both ways, you know, being open to receive and realizing that sometimes people that are your, your employees actually can fill you up sometimes. So being open to receive that is a beautiful thing. Okay. That's what building relationships is as a leader, understanding people, loving them and helping them does not mean you're hanging out with them all the time. Okay. Probably if you're hanging out with them all the time, 
you might have a hard time loving them and helping them, okay? All right, so the last one is responsibility. Uh, if you won't carry the ball, you can't lead the team. Uh, Michael Corda is an editor-in-chief of Simon & Schuster, and he said, success on any major scale requires you to accept responsibility. In the final analysis, the one quality that all successful people have is the ability to take on responsibility. And then John always says, a leader can give up anything except final responsibility. Okay, so, so think about that, especially in relationship to problem solving and relationships. So a leader takes responsibility by saying, we have a problem, let's solve the problem. And a leader takes responsibility in relationships, realizing that the person with the most awareness in the relationship has the most responsibility. So by sheer nature of you learning things like DISC and awareness and stick chick and someone else might not know that, you're responsible in your interactions. So uh, this responsibility is, is really related to the production area, right? So you might consider these three qualities as the responsibility one is level three, which is production. The relationship is level two, which is relationship building. And the problem solving is um, when you're doing it with your people, it's the level four, which is coaching, which is our uh, empowering and engaging column in Empowered Leaders. But it's also vision and design. Okay. So responsibility is really, um, first and foremost, you're working for yourself not your boss or your people. So you're not there to please your boss and you're not there, definitely not there to please your people. How can you work in this role to the highest of excellence you can set for yourself? Because when you're working for yourself, it's a very different thing than when you're working for your boss or your people. You'll show up in a different way. Uh, also, you know, responsibility as leaders, we, we go over and above, right? So we're not um, the people who show up and say, oh, that's not my job, right? We say, okay, what needs to be done? How can we do it? Does not mean that you show up and say what needs to be done and you do it all. But as a leader with that problem solving, you come in and say, hey, you know, what needs to be done? And then with your relationships, you say, huh, I know I am not good at that, but so-and-so is good at that and probably can do that pretty fast. See how those go together? So there's never a, well, that's not my job. I'm not going to do that. It's okay. It needs to be done. How are we going to do it and do it fast and do it well? Uh, this is the, in essence, uh, you know, what an eagle is. So when we talk about eagles and seagulls, the, this is how an eagle shows up. They say, okay, what needs to be done? How can we make that happen? Okay. If you notice one of your eagles is showing up and also doing all the work, that's a prime time to have as a mentoring moment to talk about, I love that you're noticing the problems we're having. I love that you were like, let's get it done. 
And I'm noticing you're doing it all. I'm wondering if there's an opportunity here for you to look around and say, who would like to help me? Do you know somebody who's good at X, Y, and Z? Can you delegate this out? So it's a great way to train an eagle to be an even higher flying eagle, okay? And um, in responsibility, we want to define excellence. What does excellence mean to you? And we don't have to do this with every single thing, but you know, take first of all, take a, um, a high level view of your role. What does it mean to be an excellent leader in the role that you're in? Um, look at your schedule for the day. What does it mean to do the things on your schedule with excellence? And the way that I usually look at it is good, better, best. So, for example, I, I've been in a, um, a tear. I've got some organizations I'm working with here in the next school year, and between them is probably two dozen uh, classes, courses, events, and experiences that I had to uh, not only plan and uh, prepare for, but also put into the My Registry system, which if you know anything about that is quite extensive. So, uh, you know, it was a lot of work. And I had to look at this and say, okay, good, better, best. Okay, good is I get them all done. <laughs> better is I really pay attention to, you know, all of them and, and make sure I have good activities in them. Best is saying, wait a minute, let me really think about the flow of all of these and, you know, determine what's going to be best or better in this situation, not just for each uh, activity, but for all of them. That was my definition in the moment. Okay, so you're trying to do things with excellence. What in the world does that even mean to you? And then, you know, when we're trying to be responsible, good leaders finish well. All right, I will admit, this is an area that I have to get help in. I love big picture, vision, designing, launching something new, having fun. I love that energy. I love, love, love it, okay? I could do that all day long. I literally could sit in a rocking chair all day long and come up with business ideas, program launches, you name it. I love doing that. Uh, but we have to finish well, right? So these uh, classes and courses and things that I just did, it's not enough to plan for them. We actually have to go and do them, right? And so some of that finishing stuff that I need to do, uh, I have to hire out. I have to delegate. Um, I ultimately am trying to work myself as far as my business into a situation where I can just show up places um, and, you know, bring my magical, wonderful, awesome self and, and love on people. Uh, I need to be able to finish well. And so sometimes I need help with that. I know there are some of you who are listening. You're like, yep, I totally get it. So small detail work. Uh, you know, just the, the wrapping up of stuff is, is not as much energy for me. I don't like that. Uh, and so I need a little help, but that does not mean that I'm not responsible for that. I am. It's just responsibility doesn't mean I have to do it. Okay. All right. So there you go. Those are our three today. I love each one of these separately, but all together. Oh my gosh. Power. All right, so 
self-assess where are you at with each one, but also where are you at with the interplay of them. Uh, go check out the homework assignments. Definitely grab the memes. You might find some of those inspirational. Uh, and hopefully I'll see you guys uh, on our next Zoom. All right. So with that, I release you into the wild. Go forth and prosper. Have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye.